The Stein Online Clubland Q&A begins right now. Welcome along. It is 5 p.m. North American Eastern Time. That's 6 p.m. in the beautiful Canadian Maritimes, half past six in Newfoundland and Labrador and beyond the Americas, 10 p.m. in London, 11 p.m. in Paris, midnight in Kiev, which the Western media now spell with a Y in anticipation of the launch of Operation Enduring Cock-Up, which uh, the so-called intelligence now says will start next week. It's 1 a.m. in Moscow, where Putin is running out of socks to laugh off. Half past one in Tehran for all you Newfoundlanders who moved to Iran for the half-hour time zone. 3.45 a.m. in Kathmandu for all you Iranians who moved to Nepal to check out the quarter-hour time zone. 6 a.m. in Singapore, Honkers and Perth. I'm awfully sorry about that. 9 a.m. in Sydney. Far more convivial hour for the Kippers and Kedgeree. And uh, it's uh, way into the afternoon. It may even be the day after tomorrow for our listeners in the Pacific. We will have a brand new tale for our time launching later this uh, evening. And I hope you'll uh, join me for that. Uh, just ahead of that, we welcome you to our Clubland Q&A. You know how this works. Any of the seven and a half billion people around the planet are free to listen to it. And uh, the only thing that uh, for which there's uh, any kind of additional categorization, the equivalent to the triple vaccinated status, because if you're merely double vaccinated now, that's not enough to get into most places. Uh, you're you're a you're a pariah. We don't operate these gradations uh, as uh, subtle as that, where you one moment you're on the right side and next suddenly you're on the wrong side with all those ghastly Canadian truckers honking away and disturbing the hard-working bureaucrats uh, who can't get a decent night's sleep before they uh, participate in a Zoom call about um, their paper shuffling. Uh, so we operate a slightly different uh, categorization thing. We don't care how many jabs uh, you have, and we don't keep increasing the number of jabs you need to have. Uh, if you're a member of the Mark Stein Club, you are free to ask a question. And if you don't want to ask a question, you don't have to join the Mark Stein Club. So there's that. Um, but uh, we thank, as always, our Stein Clubbers who uh, usually provide me with excellent questions. So let's see what's on them. Oh, I should actually just give a, a state of play. Things are moving pretty fast. Uh, the Prime Minister of Canada now says 
that if you uh, are supporting the protests, are joining the protests because you want an end to COVID, you're now breaking the law. A state of emergency has been declared in Ontario. An Ontario court uh, has agreed with the government of Ontario about the confiscation of donations to the trucker uh, convoy. The governor of Michigan has offered to give the government of Ontario uh, some of its uh, equipment and manpower to clear the Windsor-Ontario Bridge. And officers of the Ontario Provincial Police, you know, I always go on about the wanker coppers and how gas you've seen this week on, uh, on GB News. I've been talking to people about just how awful and corrupted uh, the... Uh, English police are, but the situation in Ontario isn't much better. They're now sending coppers door to door to say, oh, we were just reading your Facebook post uh, saying that you support the truckers. And you might like to know uh, that's actually uh, against the law now. Uh, So uh, we're just here to tell you that we're keeping an eye on you. In what way? It might be shorter just to discuss the ways in which we're not already China. Alyssa, by the way, when you say things like that, and I, uh, you know, you've got to be careful with this because you don't want to sound too off the charts flaming crazy if you're on uh, TV and radio. Uh, There's all kinds of people who say, well, wait a minute, what the hell did he just say? I mean, uh, he sounds completely barking mad. I'm leading a perfectly nice, it's true, I, you know, can't uh, step outside except without the permission of the with the permission of the state and my kid has been wearing a mask uh, for what little school she's attended in the last two years but uh, this is a this talk sounds a bit extreme it's insufficiently moderate for my taste well don't forget there are m- hundreds of millions of people in China who think that way too who think that way too. The fact of the matter is whether or not your life is okay, the powers the state is now assuming, the Chinese powers the state is now assuming. I saw some guy today on Twitter who was rebuking some fellow uh, purporting to be a lawyer complaining about, uh, I think, you know, what... What powers the Canadian state has now taken? The power to tell you uh, what they're going to, uh, what your kid and you have to wear on your face. The power to inject stuff in your body, whether you want it or not. The power um, uh, to decide whether you can continue in employment according to whether. You offered your arm to have that thing stuck in your body. And the reply to it uh, was from one of these, you know, clever people. I'm surprised to hear that you're a lawyer. If you read the Canadian Charter on Rights and Freedoms, which is bollocks anyway, I said that 20 years ago and Andrew Coyne at the National Post got all upset. He'd written some piece marking the 20th anniversary of it. It was some modish crapola introduced by Pierre Trudeau. Insofar as you have rights, they are 
uh, rites that uh, go back hundreds and hundreds of years. So the idea that only a truly stunted and infantilized population would think that they owe these fundamental rights to bloody Pierre Trudeau, of all people. But anyway, this guy says... <laughs> Uh, oh, I'm surprised to hear you're a lawyer. If you'd actually read the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, you'd know that uh, there are uh, certain, quote, reasonable limits uh, that the uh, state can impose on your freedom. Ooh, are there? Ooh, Mr. Clever Clogs knows all about reasonable limits that we're going to get a judge to adjudicate on the reasonable limits on your freedom. Did anybody until the day before yesterday think that those reasonable limits on your so-called freedoms, not a phrase I would have put in there, not a phrase I like, and not something that is in the English tradition at all, but is just pulled out of Pierre Trudeau's butt, uh, but nobody until the day before yesterday thought that all those reasonable limits included facial coverings now and forever and the state being able to deny your bodily autonomy and shoot the juice to you, Bruce, uh, sticking it in your arm as many times as they say is necessary. So things are actually moving fast here. Moving faster. The COVID is in the rearview mirror. Nobody cares now. A variant would have a hard time uh, getting in the news right now because the public health and the public health measures are now completely disconnected from each other. They, they're not even pretending it's got anything to do with public health anymore. It's about power. Anyway, that's I'm just clearing my throat there. Alyssa Angel says, have you seen the latest news about Biden telling Trudeau to get tougher on the freedom convoy in Ottawa? The simple solution is to end lockdowns and vaccine mandates. But the two simpletons who somehow managed to become heads of government and their handlers think that heavy fines and jail time are a better solution. The headline is Ontario declares state of emergency. A state of emergency now means that what once passed as reasonable governance is tossed aside so totalitarian tactics can be used openly. The trucker's property will be seized. That property is the trucks, their commercial licenses and the money to pay the fines. And the truckers may be tossed in jail on top of that. Yeah, people want to know. Oh, just a quick thing, by the way. The two simpletons who somehow managed to become heads of government. Uh, yeah, they're both simpletons. I mean, Biden is brain dead and, uh, you know, J Justin is the high school drama teacher or whatever. That's why they're heads of government. Uh, because that's part of the dinner theater which, to which... Uh, democracy has been reduced around around the world. The people who make the decisions, which is one thing we should have learned since the COVID began, are not these people who have fancy titles like president and prime minister. Um, but to get to, you know, the, the Biden telling Trudeau to get tougher on the Freedom Convoy in Ottawa, I brought this up with Peter Allen when we, he was in Paris reporting on the French convoy, which is about to hit the capital city. And uh, it's then going to go on to Brussels next week. 
And uh, the the French state has just come out and said, you're going to get a 4,500 euro fine and two years in jail. In other words, they're not that none of everyone's furious. All the other members of the club are furious at Justin for letting this thing get out of hand the way he did, for giving a flicker of hope that direct action by the people might still be an option. And they they don't understand why he didn't threaten them with $4,500 fines and two years in jail uh, before, they, uh, before they climbed into their trucks and started rolling on their way to Ottawa. So the other members of the club are mad at hell at the way Justin has allowed the Canadian trucker thing to get out of hand. Now, then you also have... Uh, there's a lot of dogs that didn't bark. That's such a clever thing um, of Conan Doyle's. Uh, a really brilliant thing, if you know your Sherlock Holmes. The dog, the dog that didn't bark. Uh, and I, I get, I've had, I don't know, in the last fortnight or so, I don't know how many queries from Americans as to why well, we, we always thought of Canadians as big wusses. Why, why, why is Canada the one doing this huge, great mass uh, pushback against, against the land of lockdown without end, against mandates, against jabs, against you can't go to school, you can't run your business now and forever, now and forever. And uh, they say, isn't it Americans? I, I said this in the first year. Americans are the ones who are supposed to be ornery. So where's, why aren't Americans doing this? Well, the obvious answer is, altogether now, January 6th. It's not, it's not difficult. Anyone who was caught on film on January 6th, that's hundreds and thousands of people, has been investigated up the wazoo by the deep state. And a lot of them have been sitting in jail for uh, 13 months now. Uh, away, oh, what the official explanation under the crapola federal justice system is that they're awaiting trial. Uh, no, uh, they're being punished. They don't care. OK, yeah, trial might come, you know, at the end of this year, uh, 20, early 2024, you know, 2032. But whenever it does, <laughs> whatever punishment the judge hands out. Oh, yes, you were uh, you were trespassing. So uh, fine, thirty seven dollars. Uh, bye. <laughs> Won't make any difference because they've all already have spent over a year in the disgusting uh, uh, care of the American Bureau of Prisons. So that's why uh, you're not seeing all the. Uh, rock-ribbed MAGA patriots climbing into their trucks and heading to Washington because they know what happened uh, the last time anybody did that. You know, so they got the message. They got the message. Um, things are moving very fast. Things are moving very fast, even in terms of the deep, the deep state in America, which, which is, is the most institutionally corrupted, I think, you know that's one of the problems in Ottawa is that is that uh, the the forces at uh, Justin's disposal are having to learn this thing on the hoof. 
the military basically told him to take a hike. I don't know whether they can stick to that because they didn't really like the idea of uh, taking to the streets of Canada, Canadian cities, Canada's capital, to uh, to to to, to uh, wage war on Canadian citizens. That's not normally the sort of thing that militaries in civilized countries like to do. They do like to do it in in China, you know. So if you want to make Wellington Street, you know, the Chananmen Square of the Great White North, this is a great way to do it. So the military said, if you don't mind, this seems to be a dispute between uh, you and these trucker fellows, Prime Minister, so we think you should handle it. Whether they'll be able to stick to that I don't know. But in America, the uh, which has far more corrupt institutions with far bigger budgets, they're now getting even more brazen. This story, I don't know whether you've seen this story, of Republican congressmen returning to their offices and finding people dressed as cleaners or whatever photographing their offices. Uh, And it turns out the Capitol Police, as part of Nancy Pelosi's improvements to security, that the Capitol Police are basically now surveilling uh, Republican congressmen, the political opposition. The Capitol Police, like many most institutions in Washington, D.C., Uh, are now making it plain that they work for the Democrat Party. I don't know why people think this is going to end well. It's going to end with a, a lot of blood. Eric Dale says, Hey, Mark and fellow club members, don't go waving your common law at me. I was appalled to see footage of police in Ottawa arrest a 78-year-old grandfather. He's actually a great-grandfather, Eric. We we did this uh, on GB News, too. Um, he's, four, he's a 4'10", 78-year-old great-grandfather who passed the truck convoy and gave a honk of support. And the truckers uh, and the Ottawa cops pulled him over and uh, rough-handled him, shoved him to the ground. 4'10", great-grandfather. Uh, And uh, then they started uh, confiscating gas cans and supplies to starve out what I believe is one of the most peaceful mass protests in history. Yet despite the fact that the lockdowns have been shown to be more harmful than helpful, uh, according to a John Hopkins study, certain leaders are refusing to relax the lockdowns, most notably Trudeau and the dead-enders in the White House. Can we, in the English-speaking world, reclaim our birthright of liberty and individual rights? Or did too many of us give approval to anti-terror legislation and lockdowns, and now there's no turning back? Yeah, you know, what is really sad about this is that these are the countries, the very few countries in the Western world, that did not fall Uh, for any of the horrific isms of the uh, 20th century for communism and fascism and Nazism. And they are now surrendering their individual freedoms. In fact, if you talk about individual freedom, individual freedom, a lot of people think you're cookie, wacky, because that kind of talk has become uh, rather in the way that uh, I noticed a few years ago, because it happens to be my thing, free speech. Uh, Free speech had become a right wing thing. And 
that's slightly disturbing. Americans uh, of a certain age will remember, for example, that where that gun rights used to be in America a non-partisan thing. I mean, this is going back some decades. But the idea that it's never a good thing when rights become associated with uh, one political party. It's not a good thing. And so when you talk about liberty and individual rights, those are words that uh, a lot of people on the left laugh at and a lot of young people on the left are triggered by. And it's particularly sad because, as I said, you know, at a time when most of the continent of Europe uh, had fallen for one or other of these ghastly isms of the uh, mid-20th century, uh, the Anglophone nations were a, a striking exception to that. There's all kinds of reasons for that, uh, not the least of which is the sense of humor they had about preposterous uh, fascistic types strutting around in in uh, stupid pseudo-military uniforms and all the rest of it. But what's interesting now is, uh, I said this a decade ago, mainly because I said everything a decade ago, or longer, uh, but I said in After America that, you know, it's uh, when, when a people lose the habits of liberty, it's very difficult, it's very difficult to persuade them uh, to relearn those habits. And so the last two years in which people have accepted, oh, what are you doing? You, uh, you, you, you went into the uh, Starbucks without a mask and you tried to kill us all. We just need one more push. If we just need one more push and we'll see off the last variant. And you, you don't, you, you're coming in here without a mask. I've been wearing this mask now across my face for two and a half years. It was never any good in the first place. It doesn't protect you from anything. And it's all patchy and saggy now. And it's hanging off my nose. But I'm still showing that I'm willing to do the right thing with just one push. And we will see COVID. And you're spoiling it for all of us. You're spoiling it for all of us. And that is, that is, uh, that is something that has to be learned. Because if you'd said it to people... Two years ago, if you'd said, oh, yes, oh, by the way, uh, starting on uh, Monday, uh, everyone's going to have to wear face masks for two years and your kids won't be going to school. Um, and they'll, uh, when they do go to school, they'll have to wear masks and sit outside uh, and not socialize for lunch and not socialize. for anything. People would say, oh, get out of here. But it's, but, but it's like all behavior. Once you learn it difficult to unlearn. Scott Scherzer says, Dear Mark, I never thought I would utter these words, but if freedom is to survive in the West, it will be due to the bravery of Canadian truckers. Our neighbours to the north are showing the way. Justin Trudeau can try slandering them with the usual epithets, but all us normals know who the true cretins are. And I thought that nearly all of Canada was here in South Florida for the winter. That's a very good point, Scott. Imagine how much bigger these protests would be 
uh, if they weren't being held in February when 80% of the Canadian population is uh, living in Florida or Arizona. Um, There's been little to get excited about recently. For the first time in a long while, I feel optimistic about the future. Maybe us Americans will learn something from the Canucks and begin to practice some civil disobedience. I can barely drive a stick. Oh, that's you and uh, Daniel Craig. I don't understand how Daniel Craig can have driven around in uh, in the UK and only be able to drive uh, an automatic. Very odd. I can barely drive a stick, says Scott, but I will support American truckers if they pick up the mantle. Scott shirts at Miami Beach. Well, I've already said why well, I don't. I think people actually, you know, uh, they're teaching a lesson. People went to a Trump rally on January the sixth. They thought they were exercising their right. Uh, to peacefully protest. And they had a lot to protest peacefully about. And they'd uh, seen the, the previous, uh, the previous uh, six months, the violent rampages in every uh, Democrat city across America and the way people had uh, lit up precinct houses and Wendy's and looted department stores, and they didn't do any of that. Uh, and yet they're worse than anybody the, uh, who set a light at Wendy's, burned down a precinct house, killed people in Choppistan in Portland in the summer of love, and instead uh, they had their life. people with no criminal record had their lives ruined absolutely ruined. They'll never be able to do anything in America. I mean, really, once it became clear what anything involving federal justice, as I advised Conrad Black uh, all those uh, years ago, you should just flee the country. And, you know, uh, no country should extradite to the dirty, stinking, rotten, corrupt federal uh, justice uh, system. Lynn Foster says, how about the cops, quote, visiting the homes of folks commenting on the truck protest 2022 and being intimidated. So now the OPP, the Ontario Provincial Police, are reading our Facebook post. WTF? Yeah, it is. As I said, it'd be easier to list the ways in which we're not China now. Because somehow this, this this is a very important development just from the last... 10 years. The state doesn't have to rouse itself and leave its headquarters to know all about you. They can just look at what you do on social media uh, and uh, get the general vibe of your uh, political inclinations, and they'll know whether it's worth. And they know, too. They know, too. They don't have to knock on every door. In a certain sense, uh, you know, all these viral videos that like that one today of the OPP constable uh, knocking on the door and demanding to know uh, whether that person is aware that they're following her Facebook posts. Now, yes, there's people who are outraged and there are a lot more people who will say, oh, oh, yeah, OK, uh, maybe I'll have to not use my real name on Facebook. Maybe I'll have to 
do Eagle Patriot Minuteman 1776 as my as my social media handle instead. You know, it's it's it, these are as old as time. These tactics. Scott Barnhouse says, "I don't know if you are a betting man, but what is your wager?" On who will win the Canadian trucker standoff? Will Trudeau crush it by jailing them and seizing their trucks? Or will he find a way to gracefully back down and allow the situation to resolve? His statements to date show that he has total disdain for commoners who work with their hands or drive trucks, as he and his experts believe they are so much smarter. How can the situation be resolved without ending in violence? If a similar convoy happens in the USA, I have no doubt that the FBI will ensure violence occurs and so then have a pretense to crush the gathering. What are your thoughts? Yeah, that's the other reason why nobody's in any hurry to have an American convoy, because the dirty, stinking rotten, corrupt FBI. Oh, I know those FBI agents. Yes, they're the salt of the earth. There's just a few bad apples at the top. Well, a few bad apples at the top and also on the ground in Michigan, uh, faking up a fake uh, kidnap plot of the governor and uh, on the ground in wherever that uh, garage door uh, pull was, uh, faking up the fact that it's a new and uh, also, uh, you know, yeah, God, the moron right. Part of the reason we're in this, part of the reason, big part of the reason we're in this mess. No, nobody who is genuinely conservative should be supporting the FBI. Uh, your candidates, your candidate, if you're expecting, if you're one of the people, oh, there's a big landslide coming in November. You should be demanding. Yeah, that that landslide is going to be electing people so they can go to the House of Representatives and uh, while they're off giving a speech or being interviewed on uh, on the TV, uh, the uh, the agents dressed as cleaners will be going through their offices. What a, I mean, well, Scott wanted to know who I thought was going to win. Well, Justin isn't going to back down. He thinks he can win. Now, if you notice, they've, there were initially in their response to this uh, in, in Quebec and in Saskatchewan and in Alberta and in Manitoba, people didn't like the way this was going. The, the governments didn't like the way this was going. And they backed off some of their harder line positions. Justin Trudeau did not do that. He has increased his contempt for them. He has dismissed them as just a few people waving swat. Well, we're all in this together, except for a few people in Ottawa waving swastikas. That is not a man. And, and that doesn't, that, by the way, that doesn't mean he's not in touch with reality. It means he's doubled down on his determination to crush this thing. Now, he has a lot of power. I mean, I was interested to see the the alternative to GoFundMe, uh, whatever they're called, uh, that the truckers turned. GoFundMe froze all the money at the behest of uh, people purporting to represent the government of Canada. I don't know why they would do that, but they did, because they basically take Justin's side. 
And uh, so some other group uh, started, said, oh, well, you can, we'll, we'll give this to the truckers. And then there's an Ontario court decision now saying we're confiscating all that money. And, and, and the new website, whatever it's called, has pushed back quite strongly and says we're not under the jurisdiction of whatever this rinky-dink government of the province of Ontario purports to rule. So they can go take a hike and uh, shove it up the rear end of their pet moose because we ain't uh, we're not subject to their jurisdiction. Whether that can hold or whether they're just going to, you know, it's not going to be difficult. I mean, this is what the judges, my experience in Canada, are not quite as corrupted as judges in the United States. But if you, uh, you know, as uh, our friend Andrew Lawton can tell us in his spectacular case, Lawton versus Canada, where Lawton kicked Canada's butt. Um, but it, if, they're, if they're canny, and they clearly are, uh, they will. This, this. I can see this judge introducing, uh, you know, issuing a supplemental order, uh, telling them to basically freeze the accounts of anybody they find. Michelle Dulac says, "Yeah, I'm rather shocked to see how quickly Ottawa is turning all authoritarian. Can you imagine ordinary people being handcuffed and dragged off for giving other people diesel or food? Trudeau apparently is about to go all Pierre." on their asses. This in the most peaceful protest in living memory. Yeah, they've done a fabulous job here of ensuring that, you know, they can't find, that's that's why they're having to uh, basically fine them for honking because they ca- they've committed no crimes. There's none, they've been so disciplined. They haven't smashed in a window in Parliament. They haven't, they, they've, there's nothing legitimate that these, these awful authoritarian control freaks can get them on. And again, it's the difference between Canada and America, in part because they're not as lavishly funded. Uh, if this had happened in America, the FBI, just as the FBI had their guys on the ground on January the 6th, pretending to be members of the Proud Boys. I mean, everything, you know, and you wonder why, you know, you're $30 trillion in debt. These, oh yeah, I'm, uh, oh, what are you doing for the, uh, what are you, what are you doing uh, for the winter months? Oh, I'm uh, going to be undercover in the Proud Boys for the next three or four months or so. Um, so if if I'm late, to, if you text me and I'm late getting back to you, that'll be uh, why it is, because I'll be pretending to be a Proud Boy for three or four months. Complete. Um, it's just I find it difficult to understand why. Uh, so many Americans put up with this rubbish. But anyway, that's what the Canadian, there's no sort of equivalent of lavishly funded deep state, uh, you know, dress up games like that. So it would have been a lot harder to find people, you know, undercover mounties, <laughs> waving Confederate flags and swastikas, and then inciting uh, as agent provocateur. And they wouldn't be that good at it. That's why the CBC had to claim they were all Russian agents, 
because the Russians would have been good at it. Ali M says, uh, Mark, what do you make of the reporters spying by the Capitol Police and Department of Justice on Republican congressmen? They've been caught in the act a few times already, taking pictures in offices, letters being rerouted to the DOJ and opened. A congressional staffer caught three special agents inside an office while Congress was in recess who were dressed like construction workers. Shades of Watergate, of course. But this is more brazen and out in the open because it's supposedly part of enhanced surveillance and security measures in response to the events of January the 6th. Yeah, it's the ever-expanding definition of domestic terrorists, isn't it? Uh, people who uh, people who query the integrity of American elections, which are the filthiest in the so-called developed world, are domestic. I'm just going by what the Department of Homeland Security in its latest threat assessment has said. People, you know, uh, who are question the integrity of American elections, uh, people who uh, point out that the uh, public health pandemic, it's very difficult following the science because you could easily get whiplash from the way fellows like Fauci change their positions all the time. Doing all this stuff gets you into the big database as a potential domestic terrorist. So so the uh, Patriot Act, the Patriot Act is now <laughs> being used against patriots. Uh, yeah, sure, there may be Ahmed in the cave uh, may still be up to something, but uh, and we've got all the powers to deal with that. But you've got to be able to prioritize. So, uh, so long for a while, Ahmed. Uh, we'll get back to you in a couple of years, maybe. For now, we're going to use all the powers that the state took to combat uh, Islamic terrorism, and we're going to use them on people who think uh, November 2020 was a bit iffy and don't understand why they have to wear masks in perpetuity and get an experimental jab every five months, which I believe is the official CDC recommendation now. And, uh, oh, yeah, so we're expanding the categories. So uh, January the 6th insurrectionists, people who are a bit bored of the COVID and don't think it's a big deal anymore, and now Republican congressmen. Took us a while to get there. It took us a while to get there. And, yes, it's a big waste of time because they're all such Nancys. Uh, but now we're basically getting more and more brazen in, uh, in Michelle's word by in Ali's word uh, by saying uh, that we're we're just going to openly now it's just our political opposition or the terrorists so we have to surveil them astonishing and uh, astonishing that people put up with it and astonishing that even the useless Republican Party can't hang this around the neck of an unpopular president. Mark Stein, Clubland Q&A. We'll have more of your questions coming up. But first, a sense of perspective. Keep up to date with the past on The 100 Years Ago Show with Mark Stein. Radio comes to the White House. The Bolsheviks have a worthless currency. And peace crumbles in Ireland. It's February 1922. A hundred years from today You're 
world news update in Rome, Cardinal Achille Ratti has been crowned pontiff with Cardinal Gaetano Bisletti placing the papal tiara upon the man who will henceforth be known as Pope Pius XI. The Battle of Volochayevka is over. The Red Army of the Far Eastern Republic, led by Soviet General Vasily Bluka, has decisively defeated the White Army, led by anti-Bolshevist Major General Viktorin Molchanov, backed by the Japanese Empire, which had high hopes of gaining a territorial foothold in the Russian East. It is increasingly unlikely that in the former lands of the Russian Tsar there will be any alternative to Bolshevism. On the other hand, the value of the Soviet Union's currency, the ruble, is dropping like a stone on private currency exchanges. The official exchange rate is 280,000 rubles per US dollar, but it's fallen to between 500 and 600,000 rubles per dollar. In those far-off days of 1914, the exchange rate of the old imperial ruble had been 1.94 per US dollar. In the Greco-Turkish War, Greek soldiers retreating from Smyrna reached the village of Karatepe and chose to massacre 60 Turks there. The victims are reported to have sought refuge in the village mosque, which the Greek soldiers then set alight. Any Turks who managed to escape were immediately shot. Heiki Ritavuori was Finland's Minister of the Interior and the man who was a decisive force in the country's adoption of a Republican constitution. That made him unpopular with many royalists, including a mentally unstable nobleman, Ernst Tanderfelt. Mr. Tanderfelt has shot Mr. Ritavuori dead at his front door in Helsinki. The minister was 41. It is the first political assassination ever in Finland, although Mr. Tanderfelt is the second cousin twice removed of the murderer Otto Johann Tanderfelt, who raised the lynch mob that killed Count Axel von Fersen, Marshal of the Royal Swedish Army, aide-de-camp to Rochambeau in the American Revolutionary War, and close friend of Queen Marie Antoinette. Count von Fersen died when Mr. Tanderfelt jumped on his chest and crushed his ribcage. That was in Stockholm in 1810. Now, a century later, another Tanderfelt has killed another public official in another capital city. Malacca, an agitator for the independence of the Dutch East Indies, has been arrested by colonial authorities in Bandung and is scheduled to be exiled on the island of Timor. Where are 
However, Mr. Malacca says he would prefer to be exiled to the Netherlands, where it is rumoured he plans to stand for Parliament as a communist. Representatives of the United States and Japan have signed a treaty delineating American rights on the South Pacific Island group of Yap and other former German islands mandated to Japan after the late World War. The agreement, signed in Washington by U.S. Secretary of State Hughes and Japanese Ambassador Baron Shidahara, will permit Washington equal access to the cable and radio stations on the islands. In India, the Mahatma Gandhi has suspended the activities of his non-cooperation movement until further notice and has embarked on a five-day fast as penance for his non-cooperation supporters murdering three civilians and 22 policemen at Charichora. Can the fragile peace in Ireland hold, notwithstanding Michael Collins' new ministry in Dublin? Dissident members of the Irish Republican Army opposed to the agreement with London are returning to violence when they kidnapped 42 prominent loyalists, including police from the Ulster Special Constabulary, Mr Collins was able to persuade the IRA to release some of them, 26 in number. In Claddy, County Tyrone, that's Northern Ireland, Irish Republican Army men fired upon an Ulster Special Constabulary patrol. One constable is dead. Gunfights are resuming in even the most picturesque Irish villages. In Clones, County Monaghan, that's Southern Ireland, the soon-to-be Irish Free State, an IRA man with a machine gun fired on a police patrol preparing to take them to Enniskillen. One IRA volunteer is dead, so are four Ulster Special Constabulary. The surviving nine constables are now being held hostage. Eamon de Valera, the former president of the so-called Irish Republic, stepped down when the dial Aaron chose to support the agreement setting up the Irish Free State. Mr de Valera had called for the legislature of his republic to reject the peace deal with London. He is now making his total opposition to the incipient Irish Dominion more active. At a rally in O'Connell Street, thousands of supporters blocked traffic and cheered him as he demanded the Free State be rejected in favour of an Irish Republic. In the United States, Joe Cannon, former Speaker of the U.S. House of Representatives, has announced he will be going home to Danville, Illinois, and will not be a candidate for that state's 18th Congressional District in the midterm elections later this year. The 85-year-old Republican's retirement brings to an end 
almost half a century in Washington. Mr. Cannon first won the seat in 1873 and has spent all but four years in the House since. He is regarded as the most powerful speaker in American congressional history and a man who clashed multiple times with his fellow Republican, President Theodore Roosevelt. Mr. Roosevelt, he said has no more use for the Constitution than a tomcat has for a marriage license. President Harding has appeared in person at the United States Senate holding the seven treaties signed at the Washington Disarmament Conference and urging the Senate to take prompt action on ratifying them. In a speech on the Senate floor, Mr Harding said, if we cannot join in making effective these covenants for peace and stamp this conference with America's approval, we shall discredit the influence of the Republic, render future efforts futile and unlikely, and write discouragement, where today the world is ready to acclaim new hope. President Harding has also signed into law the Allied Debt Refunding Bill, which provides for a World War Foreign Debts Refunding Commission, consisting of three cabinet secretaries, one senator and one member of the House of Representatives. They will decide the repayment terms of U.S. loans made to Great Britain, France, Italy and Belgium. Mrs. Harding by radio, the first radio receiver has been installed in the White House. of radio, do you know what a chain is? It's what the American Telephone and Telegraph Company call their plans for a group of radio broadcasting stations that would share programming and distribute it nationwide via special telephone cables. The first link in the chain will go on the air from New York City next month. Your lover by radio. 
Great Britain now has its first private radio station, 2MT or 2 Emma Tok, broadcasting on a frequency of 428 kHz from a hut next to the Marconi Laboratory in the village of Rittle in Essex. It offers a slate of entertainment, programming from 8 p.m. to 8.30 every Tuesday evening, presented by Captain P.P. Eckersley, a former Marconi engineer turned writer and actor manager. He recites poetry and sings songs and signs on the air with a cheery, This is Two Emma Talk. Riddle testing, riddle testing. smiling through. Have you seen Norma Talmadge's latest dramatic picture hit, Smiling Through, based on the Broadway hit of two seasons ago? Mary Pickford has, and she liked it. It deals with a subject which interests most women, she says, that of spiritualism, which is so delicately and beautifully handled that it could offend no one. Miss Talmadge plays both the young heroine and her deceased aunt, and Harrison Ford plays both the man who loves the niece and the man who loved the dead aunt. As Miss Pickford says, spiritualism is of interest to women and also big box office. Nine men set off from Pensacola, Florida, on the fishing schooner, the Caldwell H. Colt, the boat was caught in a gale and wrecked on a reef near the Tortugas Light off the coast of Texas. Five men died immediately. Four survived another week as their supplies dwindled. They were sighted by the liner El Oriente, but one of the four slipped into the water and drowned as the ship was approaching. And of the remaining three taken aboard El Oriente... One died shortly after rescue. And that's the way of the world, February 1922. A hundred years from today. A hundred years from today. Clubland Q&A with Mark Stein live around the planet. Let us get back to your questions. This one is from Alyssa, who begins... A gain-of-function enthusiast and a depopulation enthusiast walk into a bar in Davos. A dark joke. Uh, And I wonder what the punchline is apart from us. Why is it, says Alyssa, that French virologist Luc Montagnier, who spent his adult life studying viruses... And he was, by all accounts, a leading expert in his field, was dismissed so readily for saying that COVID-19 was created in a lab in Wuhan, China. I can see political players dismissing anything that doesn't suit them, but any scientist must consider the possibility that COVID-19 was made in a lab seems a more plausible story than the Chinese wet market bat soup story. And that's just plain old common sense that the most obvious answer is usually 
the answer. Well, we we did this uh, on Thursday's Mark Stein show with Matt Ridley, who has written the definitive book on the origins of COVID-19. Luc Montagnier, whom Elissa mentioned there, died a couple of days ago. (laughs) And there were people out there on the internet who think his death is suspicious. He was uh, 89, so he was getting up there in years. Uh, but these days, people don't rule anything out. The fact is, he he's a distinguished man. He discovered HIV. But once he'd countered the official narrative on COVID, the fact that he'd discovered HIV counted for naught and his reputation was trashed. And if you go to his Wikipedia entry, as I noted on air, Uh, at GB News, uh, you will see that they still have there in the second paragraph that he peddled conspiracy theories about this thing uh, having escaped from a lab in China. It did escape from a lab in China. That's not a conspiracy theory anymore. You know, the conspiracy theory is where all the experts who knew it had escaped from a lab leak in China Uh, then agreed to pretend it was from a bat or a pangolin or whatever. I think eventually they started people because people kept saying, well, wait a minute. There's no evidence that uh, any uh, any of these people who are dead were anywhere near a bat. And then, oh, yeah, well, maybe it's a pangolin. Pangolin. Do you remember that? You heard it all the time a year or so back. Pangolin this, pangolin that. Uh, And, of course, most people don't know what a pangolin is, so that makes it sound even more like an expert theory, because experts tend to use words that you're not familiar with. Uh, We talked about this, Matt Ridley and I, last night. Matt has written the best book on the subject. And again, I'll go back to what I said at the top of the show, the dogs that didn't bark. Um. I I started saying right at the beginning of this, what are we going to do about China? Why is there no pushback against China? The only person who was actually busy talking about China, with the exception of the Australians, but the in America, the only one who was talking about China uh, in the executive branch of the United States was the head of the executive branch, Donald J. Trump. And even though he was nominally the head of the executive branch, he had no control over the actual executive branch who just went on their own merry way. So for a couple of weeks, you had Trump talking about China, no one else really talking about China. And it seemed very odd to me because within a couple of weeks, as you know, we spent quite a lot of time talking about it on the Mark Stein show. And uh, my view was that this was a, China's just unleashed this thing. It spread in nothing flat to basically every corner of the earth, except for a couple of isolated islands, and it is uh, crippled, uh, well, you know, for whatever reason. Well, I'll actually, let me back up on that. So they export this to every corner of the earth, and they're killing millions of people. And normally when you kill millions of people, that generally makes other people who aren't yet dead annoyed with you. But there was a, again, it's the dog that didn't bark. There were no general cries 
for punishment of China, for demands, even if you weren't interested in talking about reparations, that China open itself up to international bodies who would go there and find out what the hell this thing is, where it came from, so that we can ensure that it doesn't happen all over again. And that didn't happen. Nobody suggested things like that, even though China was openly lying to the world about this and, in fact, let it escape out into the world while taking care to protect their own domestic population. Uh, so, you know, the the domestic terminal at Wuhan was closed down, but international flights jetting all over the world still going on. And yet nobody, apart from Trump, who, you know, generally speaking, by this stage of his presidency, if Trump was talking about something, you knew you could pretty well take to the bank that nobody in the laughably misnamed United States executive branch was doing the slightest thing about it because they were in open revolt against him at this time. Uh, and so you start to think to yourself, well, why is that? The dog that didn't bark, the dog that didn't bark. Uh, stop, uh, my cat, uh, no dogs in here, but my cat is uh, uh, scratching the rug. Uh, so if you hear that, if you're listening in um, HD, high definition, Dolby enhanced sound, uh, that's what my cat, you can hear that. Um, so... So nobody, the dog that didn't bark, nobody's saying, anything. what did China do? When did China do it? Now, as I always start off every uh, conversation with Matt Ridley, and I recommend you get his book, uh, but Matt always points out that there is no precedent for not knowing the origins of a global uh, pandemic like this in the modern era this long into it. You know, and actually going back hundreds of years, they, they tended to have pinned down which ship, you know, the infected rats came sailing in on uh, half a millennium ago. But for some reason, we don't. Oh, yes, it's probably, probably from a bat or a pangolin. And if you suggest otherwise, we'll close down your Facebook account. Strange, strange, strange. And what happened to Luc Montagne, a very distinguished man uh, and an honest man, so that when he began talking about this, they destroyed his reputation. So he goes to the grave as some cuckoo, wacko fringe figure, whereas in fact, what he was saying was the truth, that this leaked out of a lab and it was a lab that was doing gain of function, which is like a euphemism for basically bioterror experiments, <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, funded by American taxpayers. So why is no one mad at China for unleashing this on the world? Well, because if those people from the alphabet soup of useless American agencies had started to say, we deplore the way. If the State Department had just said, China has absolute, behaved absolutely disgracefully on this, uh, we deplore what they've done and all, China would have said, if you look at the emails that were released uh, under freedom of information requests from February of 2020, what they show is that Initially, uh, uh, Fauci and co. 
reached certain determinations that from looking at this thing, it appeared to have more the characteristics of a lab-created virus, right? And then Fauci says in that one email, I need to get on the phone with you. And presumably this is uh, when they do get on the phone, they're all on burner phones, as they say in the conspiracy thrillers. So they're having the conversation on the burner phone. And Fauci says, yeah, the bad news is uh, forget all that stuff. I was saying that this looks like a lab leak. It is, but it's one of ours. And at that point, they all say, yes, yes, yes. Uh, it's a it's a bat. It's definitely a bat. Bat, 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 bat. Why? Because you think what's in those emails and then you think what emails they have from Fauci and that Peter Daszak at the EcoHealth Alliance in Wuhan and the other Western public health figures and scientists who are in this up to their necks. Uh, and if there'd been any attempted pushback on China, we think there should be reparations. Chairman Xi would just have said, OK, we release all the emails and they show it's one of yours. It was something we didn't know about this. It was I thought that bat lady was a hardworking Chinese person loyal to the great Chinese state. But it turns out she was in league with Fauci and the EcoHealth Alliance. You could hear it from her own words. But unfortunately, we've decided to disappear her. Yeah. So I think that's the main reason. I think that is the main reason that actually they've uh, they the reason that they all changed their story and the reason they all fell silent about doing anything about China is uh, because is because they knew then uh, it was their own gain of function research gone rogue. Hart Leonard says, I'm a happy elderly addict to Stein online. Oh, <laughs> I should use that Mel Brooks line. You're too old. You'll have to leave, uh, which he used to do with. He'd find a little old lady in the audience in the middle of his song. He'd be singing Moonlight Becomes You or Dancing in the Dark or whatever. And he'd go halfway up the steps and <laughs> yank a little old lady out of the aisle seat and say, you're too old, you have to leave. Um, Mark, is the U.S. administration's recent tough talk against Russia simply a craven attempt to recoup prestige lost by the unfathomably inept withdrawal from Afghanistan? Are the Americans flexing their flabby non-binary muscles in an attempt to appear a butch while cynically betting that war will not materialize. And should war not result, will this current gang of cretins then claim that old Scranton Joe forced those dirty Trump-loving Russians to pack up their balaclavas and retreat? The spanner in all of this seems to be the quite serious Russian desire to keep Ukraine from becoming a part of NATO. Moreover, there are many Russian Ukrainians who prefer greater cooperation with the motherland than with NATO and the EU. In 1990, Gorbachev and Shevardnadze were granted by G.H.W. Bush, James Baker, and by the German Foreign Minister Hans-Dietrich Genscher that there would be no expansion of NATO territory to the east, i.e. to the borders of Russia. Fast forward to 2014 and the U.S., let's call it encouragement, 
of the coup that removed the pro-Russian yet duly elected President Yanukovych from office. I don't see the Russians as villainous in this current matter as others might. No, the whole thing, this sort of all came along. Suddenly uh, we're talking about, oh, invasion of Ukraine, invasion of Ukraine. And it doesn't seem, as Conrad Black called it on the Mark Stein show, this Gilbert and Sullivan warmongering, as he put it, it the the uh, the the active participatory part uh, among the world's politicians is far greater on the NATO side, uh, and to the to the point where the Ukrainian president is bewildered and has actually said he doesn't understand why Joe Biden and everyone in Washington is talking about an imminent <laughs> invasion of the Ukraine because he doesn't he doesn't get he doesn't feel like that. And then Putin has been obliged to respond to it. It's important to remember, I think, as well that it wasn't just an American humiliation in Afghanistan. It was a NATO humiliation. It was a NATO mission. So there's something slightly absurd about all these other NATO, because it isn't just Joe Biden uh, saber-rattling without a saber, which is what's happening, saber-rattling with no sabers, or saber-rattling by a guy who doesn't know which way to point the saber or which end to hold. Uh, and then you've got things like Macron and uh, Liz Truss, the uh, British Foreign Secretary, flying in. You know, there's always someone there, <laughs> like landing uh, and going to a summit at the Kremlin with Putin. <laughs> and there seems to be, and the whole thing seems to be a complete uh, charade. There's, it's, it has the feel of theatre. Now, we're told that Putin is planning to invade next week because basically Joe Biden has sort of head faked him into having to invade. Now, you talk about, you know, many Russian Ukrainians, etc. I've said, and I think it's the easiest way to look at it, certainly if you're, um, if you know anything about the British Isles, that basically. Uh, Ukraine is Ireland to Russia's England. There are people in the Ukraine, uh, and for the purposes of this oversimplification, Western Ukraine is Southern Ireland, uh, who just want to uh, orient in a different way. Uh, They don't want anything to do with uh, England or Russia. And then there are other people, and for the purposes of this overgeneralization, uh, eastern Ukraine is northern Ireland, who think you can be, uh, who, who, who would rather be Russian and British than Irish and Ukrainian. And that's, that's the way to look at it. So it's, one, actually one, it's actually a complicated thing. And the idea that a nation that won't actually defend its own borders, such as the United States, Suddenly, you know, its own territorial integrity doesn't matter because anyone can take a skiff across the Rio Grande and walk into America. But somehow the borders of the Ukraine, which, as I said, has this slightly more nuanced uh, reality 
than all this. Oh, the borders of Ukraine. Yes, oh, you know, we live in a borderless world. Yes, we believe that people fleeing persecution should be able to walk into America. But those borders over there, that Ukrainian border over there, that's inviolable. I mean, the thing about it now is there's not an American, there's not one American in a thousand who wants to see a, uh, you know, the, 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 the Balkans aren't worth the bones of a Pomeranian grenadier and uh, eastern Ukraine aren't worth the bones of an American or German grenadier. I don't know what this is all about. But the fact of the matter is that Joe Biden seems to have consciously sort of chosen to goad Putin into going ahead with this. I really, uh, at some at some point, the game that's being played here is deeper than than uh, than even the conspiracy theorists uh, would be going along. We would be going along with. Um, Michael Trueblood says, now that everyone's a racist and everyone's a Nazi and Trump supporters are cultists and parents of elementary school children are terrorists and people who don't get vaccinated and are slow to don masks are murderous and Canadian truckers are fascists, what titles are left? Anyway, what would you say is your working definition of fascism? I think people call other people names without the slightest understanding of what they're saying. Well, other than I know this is a bad word, so I'm going to use it. Uh, I'm willing to refer to BLM and Antifa as the brown shirts of the Democrat Party, with Mussolini long gone and Mercury Dimes long out of circulation, fascies on the reverse. What's a good example of actual fascism? A school crossing guard dragging a parent out of a school board meeting for not wearing a mask. Well, you know, the interesting thing about fascism, there's a lot of these isms boil down the same. And as I said, I'm not really, as we said last time, uh, you know, we're past the nuttiness of um, the isms that arose uh, in the late 19th century and early 20th century. As I said last time when we were talking about Marx, you know, Marx at least had the advantage over our society because he at least knew that a bloke was a bloke and a bird was a bird. He wasn't one of these people uh, who would look at uh, Leah Thomas. Is that her name? Leah, whatever her name is, the University of Pennsylvania swimming champion. Fine looking girl. Broad shoulders you could park a truck on. No knockers and hung like a stallion. I know that's what I'm looking for in a woman. In a woman. Uh, man, I feel like a woman, and when I feel like a woman, the woman I want to feel like is dear old Leah on the University of Pennsylvania swim team. And Marx at least knew uh, when uh, he'd be looking at her there in the shower, along with all the cute co-eds with the uh, pert breasts, uh, that, uh, that he was looking at a bloke. And we're, so we're way past the craziness of the old 20th century theory. It's not... We're way past it. We're at the end stage because it's difficult to find a way back from this. But the fascistic element 
which is the merger. Fascism is a a totalitarian ideology in that it's everything within the state. And so the distinctions, if you look at the conservative ink when they're saying, you know, oh, well, of course, you know, if you don't like what social media are doing to you, if you don't like the way Facebook and Twitter and YouTube control access to the entirety of human knowledge, well, they're private companies. So that's nothing to do with the First Amendment. You know, fighting, fighting the wrong war as usual. Um, what's the, it's the collaboration here. I think Kate Smythe in our comment sections, it's worth uh, joining the Mark Stein Club just to read Kate's comments, in fact. Um, you know, it's this alliance. It's this alliance between the state and these social media companies and then these big private concerns like Pfizer uh, and the other big pharma companies, that's I. That is, I think, almost literally fascistic. So if you're if you question Pfizer, for example, which is refusing, which is Pfizer is basically Michael Mann with an unlimited budget, as the, I think it was was it the Lancet or the British Medical Journal was saying, because they they they're upset that this experimental vaccine. It was yeah, it was experimental a year and a half ago. We'd actually like to see, because it had to be rushed into service, because we got all these people dying, so we got the experimental vaccine. Well, it's a year and a half later now. Could we actually see some of the underlying data? Oh, we don't need to see that. Everyone's gotten so used to getting jabbed every couple of months now that uh, we it's, uh, it's just become non-experimental by habit. After all, if it was still experimental after all these years, would you be sticking it into your arm uh, every couple of months or whatever the government says to you? So we have, that is the fascistic part of it, is that everything is the state now. And that is true, you know, if, if, if you are not within the state, you are totally delegitimized. That applies whether you're a Serbian tennis player visiting Australia, or it applies if you're a distinguished French virologist who can't seem to get uh, over the fact that whenever he looks at this thing, it's pretty obvious it was created in a lab rather than coming from a bat, or whether you are Canadian truckers who do not see why you should have to take a largely and increasingly useless vaccine, if not actively harmful vaccine, certainly when you're taking it every two or three months across the border. Well, that just goes to show you must be a transphobic, a transphobic agent of Putin. So we now have that that is old school. That's 1984. It's like the rubber. It's complete rubbish. You know, it's obvious rubbish. It's obvious rubbish when you talk to the see the nice Polish ladies on the video uh, from Toronto who've brought all this Polish bread and other delicacies for the Canadian truckers. And we're supposed to believe, you know, that they are racist, white supremacists or whatever it is. And this is what's this is what's so evil. 
about the situ about the situation here. Now let's see. Have we got anything that is a little uh, jollier uh, for our farewell uh, to uh, oh what's oh Ellen Como uh, Ellen. I think the last time I saw Ellen, the Mark Stein Club member from Quebec, which is a stone's throw from me, uh, but it's very difficult getting across the Quebec, uh, New Hampshire border these days. Ellen goes, Cher Marc, chaleureuse salutation du royaume de François Legault. <laughs> and that means uh, uh, warmest greetings from the kingdom of François Legault, who's the premier of Quebec and uh, has had some of the more extreme uh, lockdown provisions. If you're looking for a question to end the Q&A on a lighter note, I humbly submit mine. A while back you shared the origin of the theme music for your show, Nine Lives. I would love to know the story behind the different themes for the various segments. Last call, Song of the Week, is it? can you tell us about them? <laughs> and... Uh, Ellen goes, I love the time zone recitations. They remind me that there's a big world out there. Thank you, too, for your segment on Barbara Moore's arrangement of At the Sign of the Swinging Symbol. I never heard this piece before, but I just love the energy and occasionally listen to it as a sort of mental palate cleanser at the end of the day. It really cheers me up. It's a terrific, it's a terrific piece, that. I think they did two takes, I think Barbara told me, and they were in and out of there in uh, that thing in Nothing Flat. And the best session players in London just played the hell out of it. And if you like it, Ellen, uh, Paul Gambaccini, who was on last night's Mark Stein show, will be counting down the top 20 over that music on uh, BBC Radio 2's Pick of the Pops uh, tomorrow, Saturday. I think that's 1 p.m. GMT, so that will be 8 a.m. Quebec Standard Time, Ellen. <laughs> Thank you for that. We can't go into the origins of all the pieces of music I, I played, because sometimes the origin of the piece of music is interesting, and sometimes it's just boring as hell. Uh, but I'll I'll give some consideration to whether we're going to make that a regular feature. Um, but speaking of that, you know how this goes. Uh, we always like to end with some music. And uh, in uh, tribute uh, to Ellen's and my compatriots, um, those fellas... In Ottawa and elsewhere have behaved magnificently this last fortnight. And every time I see them on YouTube or on GB News or the few other places that actually show them as they are, honestly, a fragment of the following pops into my head. Take it away, Fat Swallow.
a dance to do up here in Harlem. So everyone started drugging. As soon as the news got round, the folks downtown came up to Harlem. Saw everybody drugging. It didn't take long before the high hat was moving it, park had been moving it all over town. Shuffling, shuffling, shuffling down It spread like a forest place Became a craze Thanks to Harlem now <laughs> Everybody's trucking Truck it on out that sun And he's not wrong. Everybody's trucking. Fat Swaller, music by Ruby Bloom, words by Ted Kohler. They also wrote uh, Don't Worry About Me, which is a fabulous song. My late friend Dick Vosborough uh, kept trying to talk Imogene Coker from the Sid Caesar show into making an album of Ted Kohler songs just so he could call it Coker Sings Kohler. Not everybody's trucking. But the ones who are in Ottawa and elsewhere are making a difference. See you in a few hours for our tale for our time. Stay safe, stay free.
Mark Stein's Clubland Q&A is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media. All rights reserved.